From Relay FM, this is Upgrade episode 150. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Apron, Mac Weldon, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Congratulations, Jason Snell, on 150th episode of Upgrade. Congratulations to you too, Mike. I think this means we've been doing this almost three years. Wow. That's very impressive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Time flies when you're having fun. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't think of a good pun there, so I just went with the actual Just with the actual thing, sure. Uh-huh. I have a hashtag Snell Talk question that I've been saving uh-huh. for a special occasion, and I have deemed our 150th episode a special enough occasion. Jason Snell... Christopher asks you, can you do an impression of Mike? Oh, I can. (laughs) I'm glad he made no value judgments. Can you do a good impression of Mike? What I should answer here is yes. Yes, I can. Thank you for asking, Christopher. Yes, I can. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Come on. Hello, mate. This is a podcast where I decide whether to use my large iPad or my small iPad. That's very good. Very good. So... Congratulations! It's a very good, very good impression of me. My my better impression would be from Relay FM. This is Upgrade episode one hundred and fifty, brought to you by the good people at Sponsor Read. Here was that a better impression, or was it? Just it was a different one. I think it was just different. <laughs> you don't have as many accents when you're doing the intro as you do later on. But yeah. hell, hello, mate. This is a podcast about iPads and the so, people who love them. I have spent the entire day today thinking about if you were going to ask me if I could do an impression of you, and I have can't. Just Good. FYI, I can't. I thought about it, and I can't make my mouth make the sense. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to ask. I'm not very good with any American accents. Uh, the American accent is really difficult for me. I think because my accent is so in the middle now in so many different ways that I struggle with... That one. I can do a really good Cockney accent, though. So that's good to know. Yeah, sure. If you would like to send in a uh, question for our hashtag Talk question segment, then just tweet with the hashtag Talk, and we will get them. And I would like to thank Christopher for his truly excellent quiz task question that he sent in. Hashtag Talk. Mr. Jason Snell, we have a selection of follow-up today. Our first piece of follow-up comes into us courtesy of Carrie. We have been speaking. People have been asking us questions. Do we think that there are going to be AirPods 2? Carrie has written in with a potential thing that could spark AirPods 2, and that is Bluetooth 5. Could so Carrie has written in to say that Bluetooth 5 could be a good enough reason for Apple to update the AirPods because of some of the uh, enhancement enhancements and the, the advantages that the fifth version of Bluetooth has over the fourth spec. So Bluetooth 5 could in- significantly increase the range and speed of data transfer for AirPods. And it also has uh, built into the spec more easily easy pairing of multiple devices and you know, something that is in Bluetooth 5, which we spoke about on this show in the past, I believe, is the fact that you can uh, actually have one source going to multiple outputs so you can have like say say you have bluetooth 5 in an iphone you could have it going out to two different speakers i mean that could potentially help with airpod stuff maybe i guess right because they're these two little different things so bluetooth 5 could it be a big improvement it could increase the range which would be great right so you could have your phone off in the house and you could be out right at the very back of the garden still using your airpods but i don't 
well, I think that this will be something that Apple will include in the next version of AirPods, but I don't think that it's going to be anytime soon. My feeling on this would be that maybe the next iPhones get Bluetooth 5 chips in them, but that they would wait to talk about fantastic new AirPods features that Bluetooth 5 would en- enable until maybe Bluetooth 5 has been around in iPhones for a little bit longer. You know, so like maybe we get like another edition of iPhones with Bluetooth 5 in them before AirPods gain these features as well. What do you think? I think, um, so I'm not a Bluetooth expert by any stretch of the imagination, but my gut feeling here, my 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 knee-jerk response to this is, although Bluetooth 5 is an improvement, a lot of the improvements are things that Apple probably doesn't care enough about to quickly turn around a new set of AirPods and the features that it maybe cares a little more about might be features Apple has already solved problems with with their overlay on Bluetooth 4 that they put in with the with their special processor and all of that. So like uh, functions built in to help with more easily pairing devices, Apple's got that. Like Apple already built its own functionality to for pairing. And it, it's it's built a lot of stuff on top of a Bluetooth 4 in order to do that. And they still work as standard Bluetooth headphones, but they built that extra layer on top. And I'm not sure how much Apple really cares about significantly increasing the range of AirPods. I mean, would they like to do that eventually? Sure, why not? I, I definitely have that where I, I have my phone plugged in in the kitchen and I walk to the back bedroom and things start to get a little bit spotty um because the phone is whatever that is 10 20 feet away Mm -hmm. um but and as for speed of data transfer i think that's irrelevant so i I think what i would say is um i agree that eventually apple will update the airpods to support the new standard and they'll take advantage of what's better in it when they can although for a while they're going to want it to be a great experience like it currently is on older phones i think that's also true they're going to not want to regress on the phones that don't have bluetooth 5 but i don't see enough here for this to be proof that apple will be updating them soon i feel like they work great Apple's happy with them. Uh, Apple's still, you know, trying to make them fast enough to sell them. Uh, now seems like not the time to go back. I, I, I just don't see any need. I'm, bottom line is, I don't see a need. And we can throw up all sorts of new tech and say, but there's new tech available. It's like, yeah, but what's the need? Does Apple need to update the AirPods right now? And they don't. Are they working for new AirPods that will be that will be better in all sorts of ways because there are other ways that the AirPods could probably be better too, not just supporting Bluetooth 5. If you view it from the functionality side and figure like, what do we pick up with Bluetooth 5? What could we put in with our own special processor kind of stuff? Um, Of course, they're working on that, but I I have a hard time seeing that when this product has only been out uh, less than a year that they would turn it around. So that still feels very much to me like a product for, for 2018 or later. Um, it just, it feels like a new product. It feels like a great new product. Now there's no need to turn it around when they're still struggling to build it unless they change it because they can, they've figured out a better way to build it. But even then I think they're not going to brand it or market it. I think they would just 
do that silent up update that I mentioned last week where maybe they make some internal tech tweaks, but it's still just AirPods and they don't really talk about that it's slightly different on the inside. And unless you crack them open, you might not even be able to tell the difference. There has been a Galaxy Note 7 Fandom Edition teardown at iFixit. So they got their hands on the uh, refurbished and, and re-released Galaxy Note 7 that we spoke about a week or two ago. Yes. Um, and it turns out kind of exactly as we expected. Uh, they've torn it apart and they can confirm and they have confirmed that the biggest difference in this model to the previous one is that the battery is indeed smaller. It is 9% smaller uh, in both wattage and physical size. That's the only change. So they just made a, a small... Well, they also did this thing for, for Korean cell networks to to, in, to enhance the band reception for Korean cell networks because that's where it's going to be sold mostly. Right. Um, but they, yeah, they did indeed make the battery smaller. They used a different battery. It was exactly as we expected that they would do. Um, but now iFixit has gone ahead and confirmed it for us. Yeah, I, uh, somebody we know was talking about how they were sorely tempted to try and get one of these imported in from Korea just because uh, they wanted to have it. And that's fa- that's fandom in a nutshell there. That's why they you, did it. This is why they did you it. Know, and and they, got, they got them. And if, if they're confident that they're fine now, I mean, by all accounts, it was a great phone, right? So, you know, more power to them. Uh, I, I, I look at this and think what might have been, that this is just such an example of pushing their product too far. Yeah. And... Um, and that if they had released it as this, they wouldn't have been able to make quite the same battery claims, I guess, but it would have been a safer phone and they pushed it uh, too hard. And that's the that will be the cautionary tale of the Galaxy Note 7 forever in the uh, smartphone business. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would imagine every single company that is made that is making a smartphone now has that on their mm-hmm. list of things not to do is what Samsung did with that product. Even if for a short time or however, like this phone changed the entire smartphone industry. Like you might not see it, but literally every single company is treating battery tech differently now on the pure risk that this could happen to them. Either they're treating their battery tech different or they reviewed their battery tech to make sure that they were already taking standards that Samsung wasn't, right? Because it's mm-hmm. probably probably like Apple didn't look at their battery standards and go, oh, geez, that could have happened to us. They probably were like, that's why we don't do X, right? Is <laughs> because of that. But maybe not. Maybe Apple was like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, let's let's tighten this up. But I'm sure there are some other companies that are very much like, yeah, we can't, let's, that, that we're lucky that that didn't happen to us. So we got to step up our standards on that side or, or that's going to be. Plus, you know, regulatory bodies are going to be more aware and reviewers are going to be more aware. Like everybody else is hyper aware of this area um, to the point where I would say the next great smartphone tech failure won't be from a battery, almost yeah. certainly, because everybody is looking at the batteries now. It'll be somewhere else. Like, you know, I just feel like even if even if you work for Apple and you're very confident, you might just go, can we just, just do one review? <laughs> like, you know, like someone sat down and just done a review of the battery testing procedure just to doubly, doubly make sure that we're doing this the way that we should be doing it. Because right? you, you just don't want to be the company that follows yeah. this, right? Like, you don't want to be the company that does it. You definitely don't want to be the company that it happens to afterwards because there should be... There's no excuse now, right? Like there was no excuse then. There's no excuse now. Very quick heads up. 
the very end of this show, we're doing a, a little bonus mic at the movies because I saw Spider-Man Homecoming this weekend, and I really want to talk about it. And Jason is the perfect person to talk about it with. So the very end of the show, after Ask Upgrade this week, will be a mic at the movies, Spider-Man Homecoming, and of course, it will be full of spoilers. So just to let you know, we'll play the spoiler horn and everything, but just so you know, right at the very end of the show today, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man. It was World Emoji Day yesterday, as we record this, it was. July 17th. What a huge day for World Emoji Day. This is a three-year-old event, um, which was created by a friend of the show and creator of Emojipedia, Jeremy Bursch. Uh, he created World Emoji Day in 2014, and this year it picked up steam incredibly. So many things were happening kind of around the world uh, it's fun to follow jeremy online because you got to see him in all these different news outlets for the day it was huge um and one of the biggest things that happened in the day is apple unveiled uh, a selection of the new emoji that will be coming later this year and it also seems like in something which is also incredibly impressive that uh, emojipedia was given some kind of exclusive on this because i mean i saw it on emojipedia before i saw it anywhere else even on <laughs> apple's pr newsroom so that that in and of itself is a is a pretty huge achievement i want to i'll put there'll be some links in the show notes so you can go and see them uh these are some examples that apple gave for some of the emoji that are going to be finding their way um into our iphones i expect as uh, with ios 11 um so we're looking at woman with headscarf bearded person which i am of course extremely excited about um breastfeeding uh person meditating elf zombie genie are some of them and i think that there's multiple uh race and genders for these um exploding head face vomiting starstruck crazy face sandwich coconut t-rex and zebra these are some of the ones that we saw uh also known as zebra if uh if, in case you didn't understand me mm. I'm sure you've taken a look at these new emoji, Jason. Which really kind of stand out to you? Which of these are you excited about? Uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I feel like we talked about this before because this is the, you know, this is the new spec here. So yeah, we spoke about the spec when the spec came out that included the names of these. We spoke about the ones and the ones that Emojipedia are drawn up. But of course, this is Apple showing off what they're actually going to look like on our iPhones. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's what we, it's basically what we expected. So I, I don't know if I have, like, I like some of them better. I like the elf and the zombie better maybe than the genie a little bit, but it, you know, it's all, it's all more uh, images in the lexicon, which I think it's great. And it's, you know, these are the Apple emoji. So they are using Apple style. They are in that way. They literally are what you would expect them to be mm -hmm. if you imagined it. Um, I, I think the bread on the sandwich is a little bit thick, but other than that, I'm okay. <laughs> I really like the four faces that they showed off. These, the like the smileys. I think they're all great. These are all four that I wanted, and from the designs, these are four that I will use. Right, like the stars in eyes and the the exploding head and the crazy face and the vomiting face. I will use all of those, um, and I'm excited about them. Especially the uh, the vomiting one and the mind blown one. These are two that I've wanted anyway, and they do a good job. Uh, these look really great. Um, I'm excited, and I'm sure it will be a reason to push everybody into upgrading their uh, to iOS 11 later this year. 
Well, as we've said before, emoji uh, emoji is a is an upgrade mo- motivator. It just is. That's just <laughs> like you get the new emoji if you have you feel left out, fear of missing out. If you get that box with a question mark in it and realize you have to go up to iOS 11 in order to, to see that emoji, it it may seem silly that that would be a reason to update, but it doesn't really matter. It is, and uh, and Apple knows it. I want to share an emoji frustration whilst we're talking about emoji. Just a, a quick side. Slack, what are you doing? There are like so many emojis still not officially supported in Slack. Like even of like the previous emoji spec, like what was it like four or something? And it's literally a web app. Although they do they do make their own. Do they make their own emoji? Or they do. do. They, use they a make their own emoji, emoji picker, yeah. right? And and it can display emoji if you type them in. But like they are a company that a massive part of their identity is based around emoji. Like the emoji reactions thing. I want to be able to use all the new emoji in the emoji reactions thing, and I can't. And, and it's it's mind-boggling to me that they haven't put this in yet. I, I can't work out what why this isn't there. Like They're not a small company. They're a company with a huge engineering team, as far as I'm aware. Um, come on, Slack. Put, put the emoji in. Like We're nearly to the next set of emoji, and they're still not all in there yet. Sort it out. That is, that's my plea to Slack right there. Um, I wanted to do a bit of follow-out, Jason, before we move on today. Uh, for the Command-D conference, which is happening um, on August 9th in Santa Clara in the convention center there, it is a conference focused on automation, and I wanted to mention it because you're going to be there. Yeah, I will be there. It is all about auto- automation, macOS and iOS. There will be a bunch of other people there who are interesting talking about um, automation. It's in Santa Clara. If people want to go, they can go to uh, cmddconf.com. This is sort of the South Segoian automation on Apple Platforms uh, independent uh, conference. And tickets are available. I will be there. And in fact, I'm going to give you a little teaser, which is the we my role is going to be at the end of the event. We're going to do a live conversation with participants in the day with some of the the speakers about automation and things like that. And that is basically a live episode of Upgrade because dude, we talked about our travel schedules and how we have um. We have a, a lot of things going on this summer that have made the uh, our, our sort of standard, including this episode, our standard recording day and time for upgrade kind of up in the air a lot during the summer. Um, this is actually going to be one of those fill-in episodes of upgrade. It's going to be a live episode uh, the recorded on the 9th that we'll post the next week. Uh, so if you don't get a chance to go to Santa Clara and see it live, you will get to hear that conversation I have with some of the people who are there Um on upgrade that week that following week so go check it out that's uh, commanddconf.com there'll be a link in the show notes because that's a really hard url to say um cmddconf.com today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at mac walden they make the most comfortable underwear socks shirts undershirts hoodies and sweatpants that you're ever going to wear mac walden is better than whatever you're wearing right now unless it's mac walden then you've made the right decision if you haven't then you need to go to macwalden.com and change that mac walden stuff is so good 
They have a no questions asked return policy. This means that if for any reason you don't like your first pair of whatever it is you buy at Mac Weldon, they will refund you, no questions asked, and you just hold on to the stuff because they really just don't want to have to deal with you sending back underwear to them. I mean, nobody really wants that. I don't think like underwear to be returned to them. Uh, Mac Weldon don't want it either. And they're so confident that you're going to love the stuff because it's so super comfortable that they'd never have to deal with it anyway. No questions asked. They would refund you. But I'm telling you, you're going to want to keep and wear that stuff all the time because all of their stuff is made with premium fabrics. And they, with their meticulous attention to detail and simple shopping experience, it is a new level of daily comfort that you will have delivered straight to your door. Mac Walden make undershirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up and waistbands that don't roll. Their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible. They don't want to waste your time. I love my Mac Walden clothing. Um, I'm going out to the US for most of August. I will be wearing my Mac Walden clothing when I'm there, and I'm going to buy more stuff to be delivered to me whilst I'm in the US as well. So very happy with Mac Walden. Not only do that, does this stuff look good, feel good, it performs well too. It's good for working out, going to work, traveling, or just for everyday life. Listeners of this show can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com by using the code UPGRADE. So that's the code UPGRADE at MacWeldon.com for 20% off. Thank you so much to MacWeldon for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So Jason, we've been talking about iPads recently, and after last week's episode, you said to me, oh, I forgot to mention about cellular connectivity on the iPad. So this is a new thing to you, right? Well, I mean, I have tried it out in limited, like, sandbox maneuver, like buying a, pa- a monthly pass or a weekly pass or a daily pass. Um, because, and I did write a whole article about, well, you know, the flexibility you get when you buy a cellular iPad is the you have this ability to uh, use it or not, tether it. Um, it, it just for $130, you're buying yourself a lot of insurance in terms of where you can use it and, and the connectivity. Yes, you can tether with a phone, but, um, but, uh, so I had, I had a cellular iPad. I've had it for quite a while. I've had it the cellular 12.9 since the 12.9 iPad pro came out. And, um, what I didn't have until a few weeks ago was, uh, an iPad Pro with a SIM card in it from my phone carrier. So what would happen was um, our existing cellular pa- plan, we, I think three months in a row, we went over the data limit. And so for a relatively small amount of money, as it turns out, we switched to a different plan with a much higher data limit. And as a part of that, I said, you know, while we're doing this, maybe I should go on the website and order a SIM card from them and put my iPad on their plan. See, you have one of these pooled plans, right? Yes, my my entire family is using a shared pool of data. And so for $10 a month more... This is an AT&T plan for $10 a month more. And don't email me about carriers. I'm not interested. We use AT&T for some very specific reasons. In fact, in, including the fact that um, no other carrier essentially works at our house. So yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so for $10 a month, the iPad, my iPad is now, uh, I mean, like literally they started they, for free. They send me this, this uh, SIM card in the mail. It shows up two days later um, for an extra $10 a month charge. My iPad now, I pop the SIM card in. It's now sharing that pool of data. And that's very different than saying, oh, geez, I don't have any data right here. Can I, or I don't have any Wi-Fi right here. Can I tether to my phone? Can I 
open up the cellular interface and and go to T-Mobile and and buy a uh, you know buy a chunk of data for today. Uh, oh, I, they want me to put in my credit card. I don't you know. Oh, and it failed. All right, that that's happened to me. Right now, just literally. It's just working. So we were driving up to uh, the long weekend on the 4th of July weekend, and I was in the back seat, um, and my daughter and my wife were in the front seats. And this is the kind of time where I would open my iPhone and like check Slack and Twitter and things like that and email. And I thought to myself, oh, I'll just get out my iPad like I do when I'm at home because it's the same data pool. And I was just sitting there using my iPad. And at one point, my wife noticed, and she turned around and she said, you love having that cellular data in that iPad, don't you? And I said, yes, yes, I do. I actually, I actually do. Because again, could I have used my iPad and tethered to my phone before? Sure, I could have. But did I ever? No, I didn't. Because it was like, oh, I'm not going to get my iPad out and tether it to the iPhone. No, forget it. I'm just going to use the iPhone here. And uh, that happened over the weekend too, when we were, uh, when we were traveling that I was at the, I was uh, at the airport and they had, uh, they didn't have the free Wi-Fi, they had the pay Wi-Fi. And, uh, and then we got on the plane, but they were still boarding people. And I had my, I, you know, my, my iPad would have dropped off a Wi-Fi network, but it was still on the cellular network. And it's just, you know, this is, this is the thing that, um, that I didn't really get to experience before, which is when all the data is pooled and it's the same, whether it's your, on your iPad or on your uh, iPhone and you prefer the iPad for certain things and you've got the iPad with you, then you just don't worry about it anymore. And I love, I love that about it, that, that $10 a month is, is, uh, worth it to me. Just, I've already seen just to have that level of flexibility. If I was paying, uh, more or paying as I went and having to engage every time I wanted to use it and sign up or buy credits or whatever, I, I would feel different about it. Um, I will say this is not, a, even though the iPad has an Apple SIM, this is not the Apple SIM. I got AT&T to send me a SIM first because that was really easy. And it, it was the SIM. You basically, my carrier, I can just say, send me a, a SIM for this tablet. And they're like, all right. And then it's already on the account. All I, Literally all I did was pop it in and it goes, boop, AT&T, you're, you're ready to go. It knows who I am. It knows the account. I'm done. The other thing is AT&T does something in the US that's terrible, which is if you use an Apple SIM with AT&T, it's permanently locked to AT&T from then on, which Uh. is not cool. Uh. And it's the only carrier, I believe, that does that, which which means, yeah, if you've got one of those software SIMs in the new iPad Pro, um, you can do it. But at that point... Uh, that Apple, the software Apple SIM is locked permanently, and if you want another carrier, you have to use the SIM tray again, which is why there's still a SIM card slot, even though there's an Apple SIM, because, yeah, boo. So anyway, that's my story. So I was going to say, uh, I I love cell connection on my travel iPad because it has an Apple SIM in it, right? And and for that reason, it makes a lot of sense for me because no matter where I am, I can just get a data plan. Right, so I've used it in Europe, I've used it in the US, I've used it in the UK. It takes a little while, you know, it's, it's slow, that process of signing it up, as you're saying, it can be a bit frustrating. But for, you know, I only have, I only ever get cell connection in the iPad that I take out with me um, because I then have the flexibility of being able to get connections wherever I am without needing to go and buy a SIM card. So I've 
been a big fan of it in the smaller of my iPads. I got it in my 10.5, which is I'm pretty sure the iPad that I'm going to take with me on my long trip this year. And I'll be able to just get as much data as I need whenever I need it. And, and I really like it for that. So it's perfect for me for traveling. But if I had a situation like yours where I had this like pulled data plan, multiple sims, I would totally have that for when I'm at home as well. Like that, that's great. Like that's a great thing. But with the amount of international travel I do, the Apple sim is perfect. Like it's it's right. fantastic. I absolutely love it. Um, and before the Apple SIM, cellular connection in my iPad never really made sense for me. Right. Well, in fact, I have on on my old twelve point nine. I have an Apple SIM. It shipped with the the twelve point nine shipped with a physical Apple SIM. And on the new models, they have the Apple SIM built in. And what that means is, if you're in a situation like mine, on the new models, you've got an AT and T SIM in the slot, and you've got the Apple SIM. And you can, and oh, if you're traveling really? somewhere and you want a new carrier, you use the Apple SIM. Well, that's On the older model, you would pop in an Apple SIM or somebody else's SIM, which sure. is a little less fun. Yeah. That's cool, though, that it's, that you have the option. Yeah, well, and like I said, I think that's the reason that the SIM card is there is that they know that <laughs> some carriers, AT&T, might uh, lock that Apple SIM never to be unlocked again. So that's so dumb. Have, both it is it is i don't know why they're doing it it's so hostile it's like so egregious like how dare you and nobody else is doing it yeah. like they could say oh well it's a security issue or whatever but it's like nobody else does that just at&t as far as i can tell so maybe there are other mean carriers in other countries but my understanding is in the u.s that it's at&t that locks the apple sim makes it forever an at&t sim similar thing i i bought um uh, an unlocked iphone direct from apple and ee locked that iPhone to them, my carrier EE locked it like they locked it to them. Um, and I didn't know until I was already in America and trying to use another SIM that they'd done that. And I remember I was, I don't know if I've ever been more mad at a company than I was for this because it was just like, this is my phone that I bought, but yet you think you can lock it? Like, I don't understand why you yeah. think that that's a thing. And then I had to wait a week for them to do it. By the time I was at home, uh, I made them pay me a l not a lot of compensation money, but the over 150 pounds that I did in roaming data, I didn't pay. Like, I took that complaint, like, further and further up the chain of command in their customer service team until they wiped it for me. Because I was like, there's no way I'm paying this. I'm not paying this. Like, I had a SIM. You wouldn't let me use it because for some reason you thought that it was okay to just lock my phone that I paid for outright with my own money to your network when you have absolutely no rights to do that, in my opinion. Um, whether they do or they don't, they ended up bending to my angry will. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's in incredibly obnoxious of a company to think that they can do that. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that Apple are seeing through this. I mean, honestly, honestly, I wish that the iPhone could have an Apple SIM. Like, I wish they could find a way to do that. I would be so happy if they could do that. So as well as your uh, revelations for... Uh, I've got such a big smile on my face right now. As well as your revelations with uh, cell connectivity on your iPad, uh, over this weekend, you sent me a, a message and you asked me for my recommendations for to-do apps. Now, yes, this has been a long-running theme of the show in which I cannot fathom how you are able to run all of the things that you run being the busy man that you are using just a calendar 
and the occasional reminder, like you use no to-do application, no like OmniFocus or Todoist or things or anything like that. Um, and really the reminders list that you have is not like a huge thing. It's more like just a, a list of like a checklist of stuff that you might want to do in the future, right? Like you have an idea for a thing, for an article and you put it in reminders, if I remember correctly. Yes. And so you sent me this message and you asked about a to-do app. So I've, I guess first off, what made this change in your mind? Well, so I had a moment, and some of this has to do with you know what the the business of what we do is. We think about how we use technology, right? That's part of what we do. Mm-hmm. I don't go through life using my computer. Ideally, I don't go through life using my computer, using my smartphone, using my tablet, right, and just kind of do my stuff, right? I'm always working on this other level, which is. Why did I do that? Why do I feel this way? What's the motivating factor for behaving this way? Like, I try to analyze what I'm doing because behind that is this idea of, like, if this is an interesting insight, a moment of insight, I should file this away because I probably could write about it at some point. So that happens. That's a meta level on which I use technology that is because I write about technology. So, yeah, like it's impossible for me to get a new device and just start using it for fun. I also have to open an Apple note and start writing down all of my thoughts about what it's like to use it, right? <laughs> like, you know, if I get if I get a new phone, the first thing I do is go to notes and start a new note that says like iPhone 7 impressions and then I just start writing stuff down as it's happening to me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I I literally have it happen where I where I do something or I I have this moment where I observe somebody in my family doing something I'm like let me write that down in in my reminder story ideas list. <laughs> that's where I put it because it's like that. That's kind of an interesting insight because you're looking for those insights. You're yeah. anywhere you can. Um, it's a little bit like a writer of uh, of fiction having an idea and writing down their story idea. It's it's very much like that yep. where something will bubble up. You notice something and I and and if you don't do this for a living, you don't have to do that, right? But I I have to do that. You have to do that because we talk about this stuff. So. I had a moment last week where I was going away for the weekend and had a bunch of stuff to do, as I always do. And I had a moment where I thought, wow, I have a real collection of things that need to be done in a certain order. And I thought, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to use a calendar to track these things. Like, there, some of them were on a calendar because it's like you need to post this on this day or this is when you record this podcast. But there was a collection of items. And I thought, this is why people have to-do lists is because there's a collection of items. And while sometimes in my life I felt like I don't really have a collection of items, I just have a series of milestones that happen every week. In this moment, I felt like I could see the collection of items that needed to be on a to-do list, which I normally can't see. So that was the moment where I said, oh, well, this, if I'm ever going to try a to-do list, this is probably the right time because I have things to put on a to-do list. So then I, I sent you a Slack message and I said, okay, Mike, what should I use for my to-do list? So I, are you feeling any increased pressure as well that's, that's making you go down this route, do you think? or I think... Not. I okay. think this is mostly because, you know, talking talking about summer again. Mm-hmm. I think that 
my usual schedule is not being is not consistent right now because it's summer and there's lots of people taking trips and things and so there's many moving parts and so things are sliding around on the schedule yeah. and there are things that that in my brain I could be like oh it's about the time of the month when I do this or I on this day I do this that suddenly like no you have to do it earlier or you can't do it now you have to do it later or things like that where there's enough stuff that's not happening like a well-oiled machine that it's sure. starting to get messier and so and for me that's sort of the pressure and your conception of time changes which makes it more tricky to use and remember the calendar you know because you know if you're on vacation or you're traveling it can mess around with kind of your internal clock a bit we're t we're talking on a tuesday but i know for the rest of this day i'm going to think it's monday because I talked to you on Monday morning mm -hmm. and we're talking on Tuesday morning because I spent Monday morning in San Diego and that was great. But here we are. Uh, that's going to mess me up maybe for the rest of the week. Right. But certainly today, because I'm going to my brain's going to be thinking it's Monday when it's not. And if I'm internalizing everything based on that, I'm going to be in trouble. So so in Todoist, I put in a bunch of those things that are like um, uh, the, the, that collection of things I needed to do to do last week. Um, and put them on dates and all that. And then I made some recurring events to try and get ahead of some of the things that also wow. like th would be a good example of, well, like to plan for download. Um, and this is a good example where it's sort of day-based. Um, and so I could put that again on a calendar, but it would seem really dumb. But it's like on on Tuesday, I want to make sure that we are working on the guests and make sure we've got guests slotted for download. And on Wednesday, I want to make sure that we've got the topics ready for download. And Thursday, we record the show. I'm not so worried about that. It, there'll be a time in my calendar for when we record. But there are some milestones Tuesday and Wednesday every week to get us to Thursday. And those aren't really calendar events, right? They're just on Tuesday, you should do this so that you're ready on Thursday. And so I put those into, and so that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying right now is, uh, is to, to get that, uh, and see how that works for me. And so from a system perspective, you setting up projects and stuff like that. Uh, I have not set up projects yet because that is a premium feature and I'm not yet using the, I think there's a premium trial that I can try, mm -hmm. uh, which I may do now that I'm back from my long weekend. I might turn that on because I want to get the most out of that. Yep. I like the idea of the projects because that's something you and I have talked about before that actually intrigued me. That was part of my intrigue here was the ability to say, um, here are all the steps that need to happen when a project happens. So that when I make a new project, it sort of creates all the items that need to happen as a part of that project. And, I, and, and when I need to do that, I will, I will try that. But I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. Your download project could be really interesting, right? Because there's like a bunch of things that you have to do and some of them you can't do until other things are done, right? Like there, there are some interesting parts in that, which could be, yeah. could be fun. It could be. I'm not sure it's that complicated. Like, mm -hmm. like I said, I feel. I feel like in some ways these are the milestones, which is sure. get the guests, get the topics, do the show, and and it's a weekly show. So really, it's just get the guests every week, pick the topics every week, do the show every week. It's three weekly to dos essentially, or two weekly to dos, and a calendar item for when we schedule the recording, and that's are, it. Are you doing anything to categorize, like to put the tasks into buckets? So I put, I did some categorization, but I've got to be honest, the categorization feels like busy work to me. 
and I I sort of regret it and I think I'm going to probably remove the categorization because it's more work to categorize them this when I used things several years ago I felt the same way which was it was fun to categorize things but I felt it was meaningless because I'm never saying I'm not somebody who's like okay I only want to see what work I'm doing on X it's like Mm -hmm. I have work to do it comes from a bunch of different buckets I've got to do all of it so I feel no need to focus in on just show me the relay stuff or just show me the incomparable stuff or just show me the writing stuff I I have to do all of them so I don't think that necessarily uh, adds any value for me and that's something that I'm being wary of as we've talked Mm -hmm. about something I'm being wary of here is adding structure like what you said about projects like I can add structure but if the structure doesn't give me any benefit, don't do it. I'm not. I, I should not bother with it. So I- because this will be one of the things that pushes you away from keeping it going. Exactly right. Because the last thing I want um, is to have that um, is to have all that stuff uh, push me over the edge of feeling like I'm putting I'm doing more work on um, on maintaining my to do list than I am doing the work. So I'll say, like, for as long as I used OmniFocus, I never used any projects or anything like that. When I switched to Todoist, I started doing it, and I'm happy that I do it now, but the rest of my system is so baked in at this point that adding that little bit of extra was fine for me. But the reason I didn't do it was because I was concerned for a long time that it would it would make it more frustrating to add stuff in. And from moving from OmniFocus to Todoist, it's way easier to add this stuff to Todoist, which is why I started doing it anyway, because you can just add it all in text and it, the natural language picks it all up. Right there, it's just like you put like a little hash symbol in and then you start typing the name of your project and it's pre-filled for you, right? So that was why I started doing it there. And I'm happy I do it for the benefits that I get, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it if you're just starting out. Like, Because if, if you think it's going to be a friction point for you, then don't do it because it might then stop you from keeping it going. So I recommended you try to do this because, one, it's an app that I use every single day and I really like it. Um, but also it's free. Like you originally said to me, oh, should I try OmniFocus? And I mean, I can't recommend that you do that because it's expensive to get in the door if you're only going to use it for a week right because it's all paid up front and and right i don't know if omni if the omni group have trials they might have trials now like using the the subscription system but i don't know off the top of my head but really like as well i think that for the for the reasons that i switched from omni focus to todoist i think you would enjoy like all the stuff that you can do with their api right like tying it into stuff like zapier and ifttt if you get involved in this i think you would get a lot of use out of that like even if it is just tying it to your calendar which you might find really useful right so like if the incomparable event is on your calendar add a edit the incomparable prod like task to todoist right like i can imagine that you might enjoy some of that sort of stuff so that was why i recommended todoist to you all right May- maybe but again i'm gonna i'm gonna approach everything with like I want this to be as minimal effort as possible. Yeah. And that goes back to, I feel like this is almost turning into cortex at this point, but I, I will say that, 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 <laughs> yeah. that for me, for me, I, I'm putting on my maybe CGP gray persnickety hat a little bit right now, which is, um, there is a level, uh, beyond which it's not worth putting in the effort because it, it, it is wasteful. And I'm trying to be really attentive to the idea that just because I can do something uh, doesn't mean that it will actually save me any time. And it may be mm-hmm. that my right to do uh, list application and system is incredibly minimal. 
Or it may be that I start minimal and then there's a moment where I realize, oh, you know what? I'm doing double entry here. And if I can make this setup to do single entry, that will actually save me time. But I'm I'm just very wary of falling down that pit of becoming somebody who is a person who maintains a to-do list and gets things done because they're on the to-do list. And that's not the point. The to-do list is mm-hmm. is is meant there to enable me to do what I need to do, not the other way around. And I, I, I do see that as a, uh, a a hole that people I know have fallen into and yeah. that doesn't work for me. I 100% agree with that. And again, like I'm not suggesting you do any of these things. But like if you're asking me for a recommendation, I would recommend Todoist because I want to make sure that you are future-proofed if you decide that you want to pursue it further, right? So this was one of the reasons. Like if you decide you want to continue down this route, then I recommend to do this now because it has those tools in case you want them in the future. I have some real-time follow-up from CGP Gray (laughs) who says, uh, start with paper and pen. You don't know what you need in a nap until you've used the most basic of basic systems. No, no, you take my advice on this one. (laughs) All right, don't listen to him. Because Wait, I know, are you steering I'll tell me you away what, from pens, Mike? Mike, are you well, steering no, me away from using a pen? I want you to use a to-do system. I know you don't like paper and pen, so I recommend <laughs> Todoist to you, right? All right. Now, I know I, I I had a... Because you invoked his name, I had a fear that he was listening to this right now. <laughs> you say his because name and he appears. Don't you I know the old stories, the ancient stories about Grey? Some follow-up, which he can I maybe out there somewhere in the live world who knows because you said that you know putting on your gray persnickety hat he is as much as me in the idea of automating this stuff right because the idea being it's the double entry thing if it's on your calendar and your to-do app can actually add it to your list he's oh, yeah. sending me messages now i get that have it do i get that. that i just i had my little internal voice of gray say you know what you because when i think of him one of the things i think about him and it's a trait i like is that he he's very adamant about certain things like mm-hmm. he's he's the kind of person who's like no if it if it can't do this i'm not going to do it and i that that's sort of in the back of my mind about this is like i need to have that kind of hard rule of like it needs to it needs to serve me i need to not serve it it needs to be as little work as possible and gain benefit from me mm-hmm. and i am not one of these look if you're somebody who l- likes playing with productivity apps i do more power to you <laughs> i hate it i don't want them in my life i only want to use them at a, at a remove just to do the barest essential for me but i agree with you i think pencil and paper or pen and paper would not be a great choice for me because i have so many recurring events that and i want to be able to cross them off and i don't want to keep making a new list where i just write the same things from the previous week again right yep so for me having it be digital just so that so that i can say look here are these steps in doing download and they're weekly and that is something that's more effectively done on a computer than in um than on paper i think yeah, I recommend pen and paper for a lot of people that are starting at this point, but like I just don't think that it it is the best way for you personally. I mean, plus as well, you know, when it's digital, it's everywhere. It's on all your devices, right? You don't have to do anything. It's true, although I was a little reluctant about that, I have to say, because so much of what I do is on my on my Mac that I, I have put Todoist on my iPhone and my iPad, and that's good, but I'm... Re- <sighs> I was reluctant because it's sort of like I kind of want it in the context of sitting down at my desk and doing work. The reality is I've had a couple. Well, the reality is, is that I checked a couple of final things as done 
on Friday afternoon and then shut down my computer. And the shutdown preceded the syncing of the data to Todoist. So over the weekend, I get this email from Todoist saying, you have two things you haven't done. Interesting. Panic. And I'm like, I did those things. What are you talking about? And then I downloaded Todoist on my iPhone so I could check those boxes again. Be like, silence. So be like, done. I right? say straight but, up, but, turn the email reminders off. Right? Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing that is interesting is that having it on my phone or my iPad does allow me to go, uh, one, it's like, oh, yeah, do I need to do that today? Oh, I do. And it also allows me to be like, oh, you know what I need to do and yeah. put it in right then. It's the quick so, entry that makes it really yeah, useful. I, so I kind of want it not in my life when I'm away from my working, but just like writing down something to remember it later about like, here's an interesting story idea, having a thing where you realize you are owed something that you haven't put in your personal tracker yet and putting it down so that you can forget about it and know that it's going to pop up when you need it. I think that's, I think that's good. Yeah, I think I, so. You know, my other criticism, and maybe it's something that this thing can do, but my other criticism of it is that I, I have internally this concept of things that are due on a certain day, but need to be addressed. Imagine this, like, you have to turn in your term. <laughs> my kids struggle with this. <laughs> kids. Oh, boy. Uh, where it's like, you've got a huge project. It's going to take, let's say, three full days after school to do. Four full days after school to do. And what do my kids do? They're like, oh, I, that project is due Friday. And then Thursday night, they're like, oh, my God, there's so much to do. And it's like, yeah, this is not the time to start the project. You should have started it sooner. So for me, I'll have that where I like, I have a story to do, but this story is going to take more time. It's it's going to take a week to do it. It's going to take several days to do it. So I need to be reminded earlier that it's due. And that's a challenge that I, I have had, at least in starting to use something like Todoist, where what I really want to do is say, this story is due on this day. Tell me about it sooner. And its its reaction seems to be like, I'll tell you about it the day it's due. And it's like, okay, well, then it's on me to look ahead and see what's due several days out. You're a computer. You should be able to tell me a week beforehand or five days beforehand, you have this thing that needs to be done then that you need to start now. And it doesn't seem to have that conception. There are ways in which you can set up different types of reminders to occur at different intervals before, but you kind of have to do that to the tasks. And you can also set up defaults, but they're not like multiple days before. It would be like 30 minutes before or an hour before. Like there's a way to do some of this stuff, but maybe not to the level at which you would like. The uh, way, the way, other way to do it is to say this story is due Friday is a reminder for, is a to-do for Wednesday, which is dumb, but that's well, a way to do it. It's just, it's something that I've come into where, where the concept of to-do items doesn't necessarily follow from some of the stuff I do, or you're breaking it up into start working on it now and then finish working on it then, which is not quite the same. Yeah, like what you can do, you, there is like a little alarm clock button and you can click that and you can add reminders to tasks, which can be like a week in advance or something. And there's probably ways to do this via their entry system, like their text entry system, where you just type a command something at a week before. But yeah, th there's maybe not the flexibility to, to do that automatically. I mean, one thing that I do, and I think a lot of people that use these apps do to take advantage of like the next seven days thing. I mean, so I spend quite... I spend yeah. an amount of time every day. And again, this is this is very system heavy. I will agree, but I'm just saying like just so you know how I work my systems. Um I spend quite a lot of time in the 7-day thing reviewing what's coming up, moving things around as necessary, picking off tasks that can be done in advance, that kind of thing. Uh, but this again, th this is very 
this is very late into you having a system, I think, before you would start thinking about it in this way. The best thing for you to be doing right now is just to be putting things in as they're coming to you, seeing how you're reminded and refining if you're going to turn this into a thing that you want to use in the long term. Well, we'll see how it goes. And I, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. I have done this before. And generally, they go unused and abandoned in short yeah, order. Which means but, it's not for you, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving it a go. I'm just pleased you're trying, honestly, because, yeah. you know, I, 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 I worry about you, Jason, because I just don't <laughs> understand. I, I, as I said it before, like, you're such a busy man. You're only getting busier. Um, I just can't, I just think it can't be good to keep all that stuff mostly floating out in the world like waiting for you to be like oh it's wednesday i've got to do you know like to, to i have found to have this system which i know has got the stuff in it just makes me feel better and a lot of people i know are this way you might not be wired that way and that's cool because like if you can deal with it your way like do with it your way but like i'm just hoping that this makes your working life more comfortable in a way that you hadn't imagined yet and and that will make me very happy yeah, and we'll we'll see. I I think, like I said, the reason that the calendar thing happens is not because I am a, a lunatic who thinks that I can just make a bunch of events, all day events in my calendar for every single item I need to do. That's not really it. But it stems from the fact that a lot of the things I need to do are li- literally be here at this time or do this thing. I mean, again, I do have some of those, like post this thing on this day. It's calendar related, but it's also what to do. So trying to make it, um, trying to back out of that a little bit is one of the things that I'm hoping to uh, at least try here so that instead of looking at my calendar and saying, oh yes, that thing is due next Wednesday because there's an all day event that says it's due next Wednesday because it's like a posting schedule. I put in something that backs it out and says, make sure this thing is ready to go. And you know, that's so it's it's can I get those things to work in concert with one another? And there there is something nice about and this is why I was driven to do this, the that next seven days view of being able to say, I realize I need to do this. I don't need to do it right now, but I do need to do it by this date and putting it in the list so I can see it's coming up, but not what I have to do today so that I do get that satisfaction of checking those boxes at the end of the day or as I go through the day and saying I did all the things I needed to do today. But I, you know, I want to be I want to be wary about it taking too much time because that's not not my goal. It's not a video game no. that I play. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just a blunt tool to try and get me to stay on track. And that is one hundred percent the right attitude to take. Uh, if you have enjoyed this discussion uh, and you do not listen to either Cortex or Free Agents or Mac Power users on Relay FM, there may be some shows that you may enjoy uh, <laughs> adding to your list because they're you know shows that that approach working and process and tools and and the way that we use them so there's a handful of different show suggestions for you if this type of thing is of interest all right i think it's ask upgrade time but first let me take a moment to thank our friends over at encapsula encapsula has website security tools and a content delivery network that makes any website safer faster and more reliable it's easy to get started Just make a small change to your DNS to activate Encapsula. It's ready to go when you are. There's no new hardware or software to install. Then when you're up and running, you'll have access to Encapsula's 30 data centers. They're three terabits of bandwidth, all on their global 
network. This network keeps away the bad guys, making sure denial of service attacks never hit your servers. In the meantime, they cache your content and optimize connections using their powerful CDN so your users get your content lightning fast. And to keep your mind at ease, you get a live traffic view of your site on their dashboard with the ability to also create custom rules to meet your exact needs. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service absolutely free. Just go to encapsula.com slash upgrade. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash upgrade. This is where you'll find out more and claim your free month. Thank you so much to Encapsula for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Jason Snell. Our first question this week comes from Dave. Dave asked, with the proposed higher prices for the next iPhone, would it make sense if AirPods came in the box? What are your thoughts? I don't know. I have to say, I had never thought about this before, but if you're going to make a high-end iPhone that has that costs a lot more money but is super awesome and the like the best most cutting-edge thing Apple can provide, if they if you got like a jet black iPhone 8 or iPhone Pro with jet black AirPods in the box, I don't know. That's actually a really fun idea. I'm not sure Apple would do it just because those people have a lot of money and why would you take an extra $150 out of their pocket in addition to their iPhone? But it's a fun idea of saying this is the maxed out, totally awesomest iPhone ever. But um, but they probably won't do it because they if you've got enough money to buy the high-end iPhone, you've got enough money to buy AirPods too. Uh, I think that this is the only time that it has ever made sense to bundle AirPods, right? Because there there is a potential high price, but I still don't think it's going to happen. Like I think that this idea makes sense right now because we haven't seen the iPhone. So like giving it that high price tag, we can justify it in our minds by saying, "Oh, we get AirPods as well." I cuz I expect that this phone will tell all these Apple will try to make it tell such a good story that we'll pay whatever the price is, right? And that they won't need to put AirPods in the box because the phone's going to be so desirable that we'll pay whatever it's going to be. And then they continue to make extra money. There's a couple of other thoughts I had on this. AirPods are already hard enough for Apple to make. If they continue to have issues with production of AirPods, they're not going to start holding up iPhones. And they're also struggling to just sell enough of them anyway. So, you know, so to make enough of them to sell, I should say. So why cut out like millions and put them right in the box? Your your item in our, not to read verbatim from the notes that we use to do the show, but your item is perfect, which is Apple doesn't need to put them in the box, so they won't. That's it. That's exactly it. Why do it? And you're right. Then you mean you have to have enough AirPods to put in the box, even if people don't want them. And bottom line, if, you know, Apple wants to sell you AirPods and they want to sell you an but it's a fun idea. I like that. I like the fun idea oh, yeah. of like the super special edition special box iPhone that comes with all of the goodies. But I don't. I don't think so. Including AirPods that you can't buy, right? Like black ones. Well, right? the, like, like I said, you know, the black yeah. ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, no. If, cool. if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do it, you sell that. You sell the black. Uh, it's the black iPhone Pro. It only comes in black. It's jet black. It's got jet black AirPods. It's got jet black, uh, jet black AirPods, not earpods, but AirPods. It's got a jet black charger, jet black cables, and it probably comes with both a USB C and a USB A cable, right? And you just, you just, it is the edition, right? <laughs> it almost reminds me of the original iPhone, right? The original iPhone came with tons, tons of stuff in the box. 
you got like a dock and everything, right? Like it was just like, it felt like more of a big thing. And I expect that they might go down some of this route, right? With some of those other things that you mentioned, but I, I don't think AirPods will be one of them. I think we're multiple years away before AirPods are included in the box. One day I believe they will, but I don't think we're close to that day yet. Okay, Nopali asked, uh, Jason, and I, I wonder if you have any information about this from uh, the the device that you bumped into somewhere in um, San Jose. Will HomePods be good for home cinema setups? Do you know anything about this? Uh, I I know enough to say no uh, based on what my understanding is because okay. they it's a mono speaker with some different speakers that, that try to separate things out based on frequency in order to feel, feel like it fills the room. So if by good you mean can I pair it with an Apple TV over Bluetooth and have it play my uh, my audio from my TV uh, from my Apple TV yeah maybe but I, Apple has said nothing about trying to make this into something that would be considered a home theater or you know mm. TV related thing and it's not gonna like connect to your other devices I think so I I'm sure somebody will. <laughs> hook an Apple TV up to a HomePod and a TV screen and use it that way. But I don't think this is how Apple intends it to be used. And it's not going to be able to generate... Again, could they use those speakers to try to generate some directionality? They could, but when I asked the sand people, the Jawas, who were standing in the secluded glade on Tatooine, about about stereo versus mono, what they said was... um, you know, basically, it's mono. It's not. They're not trying to fit, take the stereo signal and do directionality with it. That might change because I think it's all happening in the software, and they do have multiple speakers in that pod. But I don't think that's what they're planning. Um, they could get there. It wouldn't shock me if down the road there was something that was. If this product does well, that there was something that was a little bit more like the Sonos Play Bar kind of thing, where it was actually intended to integrate. Um, the HomePod experience into your into your home, or the ability to place you know multiple HomePods in different places for a different sort of surround effect, but uh, that seems a long way off. Our next question comes from uh, Todd. Last name withheld. Should I do anything special with my Photos.app library or on any of my devices before turning on iCloud Photo Library for the first time? Um, I think. Hi, Todd. Aloha. Um, I think you don't need to, although it's always good to have a backup of your photo library, right? You should have a backup of your photo library. So if you've got a backup of it, I think you're doing okay. I don't think iCloud photo library is going to destroy your library. I would say you turn it on and make sure that, um, that it's set to keep all your photos locally, at least at the start and then let it sync. And I think it'll be fine, but I will just say more generally, um, always have a backup. Like I always had a backup on an external drive or a different computer of my photos library because you don't want to lose those photos. And, and you know, you just, you don't ever want to have, be, put yourself in a situation where there's only one device that has your photo library on it. So, uh, but I don't think you need to do anything special. Just uh, make sure you've got a backup and then flip the switch. Jim asked, should I reformat my external drive I use for Time Machine backups to the new APFS? Will Time Machine backups run faster? Uh, I think I think what we know about High Sierra is that they're not making any of these changes right now in Time Machine. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if 
it happens eventually, right? I would not be surprised if time machine backups run are are dramatically improved by APFS someday, and it might not even be in uh, next year's release. It could even be in an interim release where they turn that on. Like, they don't want to do it now. They're going to get APFS out there on the Mac now, and then they're going to do a Time Machine update that is not necessarily a part of what comes after High Sierra. Um, so I think I think it will happen. It's inevitable because APFS appears to be basically built for it. For those who don't know and don't listen to Accidental Tech Podcast and haven't talked about file systems, ding. Um, the idea here is that Time Machine does a lot of weird stuff with uh, hard links on a hard drive in order to reference files that didn't change. And there's a bunch of stuff in APFS, including these instant snapshots that basically let the, the uh, file system say, uh, you know, these files are the same as these files. Like they're, they're just, they're the same and they don't have to deal with it. So there's not as much like churning on the disc for stuff like that. And it only tracks what's changed. So uh, it, I think it does have some potential advantages there. And it has a lot of potential advantages for on-device time machine that they are building in now where in terms of like sort of like tracking changes in your files in the short term. But uh, for for running on a backup, uh, the answer is not yet, but maybe someday. I wouldn't go ahead and jump to APFS on your backup drive now um, because as far as I have heard, it doesn't do anything yet. Yeah, I don't think you can do it. So like on Connected this week, Stephen gave a complete... Uh, overview of High Sierra as he has seen it so far. Hi Sierra. We were, we were, hi Sierra. We were talking about Time Machine and like it, it seems like from what he was saying, it can it will back up stuff from APFS drives, but it will like from volumes, but it will back them up to HFS plus still. Like it won't back them up to APFS. So I don't oh, it's not think even, you can. Interesting. Yeah. So right. so this is the thing is I, my guess is that yeah, they're they're building a version of Time Machine that takes full advantage of APFS because it is like APFS was built in part to do better time machine backups, right? It's very clear that that was one of the ideas behind this whole thing and they will get there, but they're not there yet. I think that's the right move. Like, so just, just wait, yeah, just, just wait. wait. It will be, no they will be time machine backups. I think are going to be awesome. Once, um, once APFS and time and time machine work together, I think it's going to be a much more efficient system than the hack that's in place now where, you know, the time machine backup starts up and you hear the disc start to go click, 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 click. All right. All right. Not so much anymore. That that'll be good. Michael has asked, I've been wearing a steel Apple watch since the launch, but I've only ever met one other person with one. Have you seen many in the wild? So I would say, even at WWDC, only a handful of the steel. I see way more of the various models of sport. Um, I think it's clear that that one is the most popular, like the aluminium ones and all the different aluminium colors. And I don't think that it's necessarily just for price. I expect it's for price for many people. But like for me and, and for many people that I know, it's a taste thing. Like the, the, I, I just prefer the way the aluminium ones look. And I know a bunch of people that have the steel ones. Uh, Steven has one. I think Federico did. I don't know if he still does. Um, Lauren has one. Lauren's Apple Watch is stainless. Mm-hmm. And I guess I know, I know it's like a different thing, different taste thing, but I would say that I definitely see way more of the aluminium than the steel. Yeah. Oh, sure. Because it's because it's cheaper and it, it looks great. I mean, I have mine's, mine's aluminum and I, I think it's beautiful. I have the aluminum black in my series too, and I love it. I really love it. 
yeah i i when when i was getting lauren her apple watch i asked her to like we, we looked at the apple store and and uh like what what did she like in terms of uh just the look of it um because it was basically a a birthday present for her um and uh I wanted to, I knew that if it was just on price, she would get the aluminum one because the stainless one costs more. <laughs> and, but I, so I tried to take it out of the equation and just sort of gauge her feelings about the look of it. And she really liked the stainless. I would not have bought the stainless for myself if price were no object, honestly, because I don't like how it looks on me as much as I like the black yep, I agree. aluminum, mm-hmm. but she liked the stainless. So we got the stainless for her, but I, you know, I think I, I would imagine that it's, um, it, it scales. You could probably do a chart of sales if you were inside Apple in terms of stainless versus aluminum. And it's probably, you know, proportional to the price Delta. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And finally today, Sun asked, would you want a future version of the 12.9 inch iPad Pro to have a larger screen in the same physical size or a smaller body with the same screen size? So basically, so, do we want the screen to go to the edges with the size being the same or do we want the bezels to come in around the screen? Imagine a bezel-less 12.9 iPad Pro. What do you imagine? A, a, a The existing shape with the bezels st- pushed out and replaced by screen or the existing screen with the bezels pushed in. So the iPad is smaller. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Easy answer for me. I want the dimensions of the iPad to be smaller without sacrificing the screen. A bigger screen would be nice, but the, my biggest problem with the 12.9 is that it's kind of a load. It is a, it is a big thing. And so for me, I'm not going to give up my 12.9 and switch to the 10.5 as as nice as the 10.5 is. So I would love it if my 12.9 got a little bit smaller. I want the opposite. So I would I, want... I knew you would. I knew it. <laughs> I would want my on my 12.9 it to stay the same size, even the same weight, but the screen to get bigger. And this is because I I'm the multi-pad person, right? I live the multi-pad lifestyle. I have a home iPad and an outdoors iPad. So my outdoors iPad is the small one. And if I'm going to have an iPad at home, I want it to be as big as it can be and still be movable around the house. And so like a potential like, I don't know, like 14 inch, 15 inch maybe screen in the same part size, right? Would be, oh my God, I would love it, right? It It would only be better for me. So that's where I would like to go. But if we got the other version, I would also still be happy. Right, like I would also still be happy with that, but my ideal situation would just be a bigger screen because I would love that. Yeah, makes sense. And I think that may be the more mainstream opinion. Honestly, for me, I I I want the bigger screen than the ten five, but I would like it to be as compact as possible because it is a little bit. But I, I see the appeal of a larger screen. It's just for me, I think I would go the other way. Okay, so after this break, we are going to talk about Spider Man Homecoming with a extra special mic at the movies but before we do let me take a moment to thank our final sponsor for this week and that is blue apron the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients blue apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system they set the highest standards for ingredients whilst building a community of home chefs every single blue apron meal comes with a step-by-step easy to follow recipe card and pre portioned ingredients by shipping the exact amount of food that you need for each recipe blue apron reduces food waste and for less than ten dollars a meal all of their seasonal recipes 
will be delivered to you with all these beautiful ingredients that are pre-portioned being of the highest quality to help you make home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less that are going to taste delicious every time. And with their freshness guarantee, every single ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. Currently, you can choose from meals like chili butter with uh, chili butter steaks, I should say, with parmesan, potatoes, and spinach, fresh basil fettuccine with sweet corn and cubanale pepper, or maybe even seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet potatoes. I am far too close to dinner time right now to be thinking about these. I am very hungry right now because I have just read those Blue Apron meals. Blue Apron is awesome. Their food is awesome. Their recipes, they look so great. And by cooking with Blue Apron at home, you're going to learn some awesome skills that you can apply whenever you cook. And you'll be surprised how quickly you pick some of that stuff up as you're using their great recipe cards to get your cooking done. You can choose from any of those recipes. There's a variety every single week. Or you can let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you, and you can put in all your dietary preferences as well so they can monitor that and take care of that for you. There's no weekly commitment. You just get those deliveries when you want them. And you can check out this week's menu and get three meals for free with your first purchase, including free shipping, by going to blueapron.com upgrade. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So get started today by going to blueapron.com upgrade. We thank them for their support of this show. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. So, let the spoiler horn ring out. For we are about to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming, which I saw this weekend. Uh, Jason, of course, has an episode of The Incomparable Up, which will undoubtedly uh, be better than whatever um, Spider-Man-related nonsense I'm about to spew, uh, because I haven't taken any notes when watching the movie, as I would usually do during a mic at the movies, so this is purely based upon me seeing this a couple of days ago. But I just wanted to talk about some of the things that I was excited about. You know, I I said this before on the show, Spider-Man is and has always been my favorite superhero. Um, I got Spider-Man fatigue with the Andrew Guy Field Spider-Man movies. I just saw the first one of them, and I'd kind of... I'd seen it too many times by then and, and, and yes. I was just getting sad about it, honestly, uh, because I love Spider-Man and I felt like he wasn't being treated well enough um, because he's such a great hero, right? And and appeals to so many people. One of the reasons that, that Sony picked him up and wouldn't let him go, right? And they kept trying to do it because, you know, at least those first ones, uh, the, the first ones with um, Tobey Maguire, they were great, right? Like Spider-Man 1 and 2. Yes. Really great they movies. Were. Um, and, you know, I think really they you know, set the stage for the ability to Marvel to do what they've done because these Spider-Man movies were such a success. That, that it, those like, original Spider-Man movies, because um, we just did a podcast about, it's not out yet, about Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. And Batman and Robin came out like three years before Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. And Batman and Robin is literally like the stake through the heart of superhero movies. And then Spider-Man is the reinvigoration of superhero movies. And you could you could make a strong argument that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is the movie that set the template and kicked off a modern wave of good superhero movies that we're still kind of living in. Um, it, you know, th- it, you could argue it. It's it's not necessarily so. something that I would I would uh, I think it's debatable, but I think that it's possible for, certainly that that it did that. And those those first two Spider-Man movies are very good. Spider-Man Two is. Uh, frequently cited as one of the very best superhero movies ever made. Yeah, I mean, even Spider-Man 3, which wasn't as good, 
was still it was still pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. But it was it it was okay, right? Like it was definitely the weaker of the three. Yeah. That had some really bad moments in it, but wasn't like an overall disaster. But like it just had think- some some really dumb parts. I think it was an overall disaster. Okay, Much like maybe, Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think they were maybe both disastrous. Maybe you've seen it more recently than me, right? Like, maybe this is what it is, and I'm looking at this with rose-tinted glasses. But the number one thing that I was worried about, and probably my number one favorite thing of this movie, is they were just like, origin story? What origin story? There's literally <laughs> a line where uh, Peter's friend, Ned, says to him, dude, you were bitten by a radioactive spider. And he's like, yeah, I, w- I was. But maybe, you know, maybe get me that spider. And he says, the spider's dead, dude. Like, <laughs> le- yep. leave it alone. And so is Uncle Ben. And, and there's no Uncle Ben. There's really literally a line where he, he says, after all uh, that May has been through, mm-hmm. I don't want to burden her with this. And that's it. That's the, you know, she's there. There's no uncle. And she's there alone. But that's it. It's not It's not in there. And I, as a lifelong, I, there will be purists who will be like, but, but, but that's the core of the characters. Like, as a lifelong Spider-Man fan, uh, good call. I yeah, don't no need to more. see it again. No we more. don't. We don't need it. And instead, his origin story is essentially that he was in Civil War Two or Civil War, which we all saw. Uh, Captain America: Civil War. Do you know I haven't seen it? I don't know why. I thought I thought I'd seen it. Right. <laughs> the, good, the good news is it's a good movie i liked it a lot but the good news is mike that uh the spider-man part gets recounted here at the beginning yeah. of spider-man also, i mean look i've seen the trailer so like i've also already yeah. seen it uh i you know what? honestly i think because i've seen the trailer i thought i'd seen the movie yeah i, I don't know why this had happened to me because i've seen all of them right i think it's a good movie two, i haven't seen dr strange and i haven't seen civil also war also a good movie but like they, they're on my list, and so I'm going to watch time, them. Time to get to those, yes, absolutely. Well, something that was very exciting to me, this is, this is the first Marvel movie that Adina has seen, other than, actually, I say, other than the two Guardians of the Galaxy. All right. And we left this, and she was like, I would watch some more. I'm like, great, there's loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back to Iron Man, right? And so, yeah, yeah I think we're going to maybe knock actually, some you, of those out. you should watch Doctor Strange with her. I think uh, I think she would like that. I like that movie a lot. Okay, good. Yeah, I know, I, again, like... I. I have only not seen it because I haven't seen it, not because I don't want to, if that makes yeah. sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't require any real knowledge of any Marvel stuff, unlike Civil War, why, which totally does. This was why I'd taken her to see Guardians of the Galaxy and took her to see this movie, because I figured Guardians of the Galaxy especially, because I knew that. But also, even though I knew there would be some crossover with Spider-Man, that it wouldn't, we weren't going to see the Avengers all popping up for the entire movie where I had to explain right. like 15 characters to her, right? Right. But she's interested now in seeing... Um, the next Avengers movie because she liked Spider-Man, she liked Guardians of the Galaxy, she likes the idea of those characters all being in a movie together. Well, I'm like, well, we're going to have to watch more. Like, if you want to go and see that movie next year, you really need more backstory. So we're considering going through some of them. But so whilst we didn't get uh, an origin story, we did get really good parts of the movie of him learning his capabilities of Spider-Man. Because and this is all hidden up in the suit, right? Like he knows how to be Spider-Man. He knows how to shoot webs. He knows how to climb walls. But what he doesn't know is what this suit can do for him, right? And I like how right. dur- through, even throughout the whole movie, like he's going through this because the suit continues to get more powerful. The suit gets more abilities, so he learns more, and it's done in a really great way, uh, which I really liked. And the whole Karen voice. This is something that's new to me. I don't recall. Well, anything that I, any comics that I've read, um, and this may be something that exists in some part of the 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 comic book 
lore. I I don't know of of Spider Man having a Jarvis like assistant. I assume that somewhere throughout the whole Iron Man th- like thing, there is a, there is a there is a brief moment in the comic book lore where where Peter Parker gets a Tony Stark designed suit, which they call the Iron Spider. That yep. this is kind of hinting at but not really the same at all i think the the idea here is that movie viewers know that uh iron man has a suit that talks to him and so if you're going to have spider-man be given a suit by tony stark there is this assumption that maybe it's an iron man suit essentially which is what they play with when they when the kid hackers which is a little bit ridiculous disengage all the safety protocols and turn on the full span of the suit but i don't recall reading a story (laughs) like this although i really my favorite thing about them having tony stark build him a suit is it explains how he could get a suit that looks so good because that's never really yep. well explained in Spider-Man lore. And it allows that um the they they in Civil War they explain like he's got special instead of wearing goggles, he's got these eye these eye holes that can telescope and things like that. But what what that does, that little trick is it allows the movie Spider-Man suit to do what the comic book Spider-Man suit do, does, which is his eyes on his mask are expressive. Can emote, which yeah. makes sense in the comics, but when you try to do that in real life action it doesn't work like the physics of it doesn't work it's all about like comic book artists adding expressivity to spider-man's mask and so in this they get it because they say it's a you know it's a special high-tech suit that can adjust the eyes based on what peter's doing inside the suit um, which is you know whatever it's tech explanation um you know for magic things that happen but in the end it allows it gives them uh the freedom to style the face of spider-man and have it be expressive even when he's in the suit and it looks great so that's a reason for it the yeah the the ai thing is not really taken from anywhere but it's 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 good because it shows he's totally out of his depth and it's useful in the story because uh, it gives him at several points when he's alone it gives him someone to talk to that's one of the reasons i really liked it and you know it, it I think they added just a, a different dimension, which I just really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a really smart addition. Um, I think the the Iron Spider suit is what is what Tony has for him at the end of the movie, right? Like that's what that is. It's like a super souped up, um, yeah, super souped up suit because it's also got the bigger golden spider on it, right? Which he, yeah, in the comics, I believe he gets like after Civil War, right when they kind of align. Um, yes or during during i think it's maybe even during the civil war or yeah. right before and it's one of the reasons that peter aligns with him in the comics yeah he gives but, him the cool suit so it sounds like that in the in the uh in the previews for that new avengers movie that this is that's that's where they're going with that of like mm-hmm. tony trying to to soup up what the spot what spider-man does but i like that in fact at the end of the movie one of the great things that happens is um when Peter rejects Tony's like, yep. we're going to have you move into the Avengers <laughs> complex and just and not, test, be a stu- right? <laughs> and not be, and not be a student anymore and not yeah. be living at home with Aunt May. And I'll give you this super high tech suit that he, he leaves. And I like that because um, we haven't even mentioned Michael Keaton yet, but I like that Michael Keaton, um, you know, he gives that speech. That's a really great speech about like, these guys don't care about us. We're the little guy and he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's a great villain speech because it is a, it is not 
like you listen to it and go, he's a madman. It's like, oh, I see why his worldview leads him to do what he does, which is a great, that's what I want from a villain is I, I want oh, a villain yeah. who makes sense. So he says that. And then when Peter turns down Tony, I cannot help but think of the echo of the vulture speech, which is, um, you know, these guys, you're not like these people. You belong back in Queens. And I like that he gets his sort of regular suit back at the end. So he still gets like what Tony gave him originally, but not the super high tech tricked out Avengers thing that um, that he had He'll on display need. at the press conference. Yeah, he's going to need that with Thanos, right? He'll need it. But right now he doesn't. Right. He not is yet. as Tony. I love that Tony did it. The friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Like I like the way they worked yep. that in. That was real nice. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, let's touch on Michael Keaton. Just one I mean, amazing, right? Of course, the guy, you know, we, you, everybody knows Fantastic. he's going through a career renaissance right now, right? Which I guess started yeah. with Birdman. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's got, you know, he, he's one of those, those uh, actors that like later in life has found a new level of success. Every uh, villain is the hero of their own story. And you see it with Michael Keaton. He is a hero. He, is, he takes the injustice mm-hmm. of having the government and Tony Stark take away his business, and he uses the alien tech that he scrounged to build a new business and buy a nice house and take care of his family, and then he reacts when the family is threatened. He yeah. And he gives that speech. He is the hero of his own story. His motivations are reasonable. He is as realistic a villain as you're ever going to find in a superhero movie. And I love it. Doesn't really feel like an intrinsically bad person. He's just a guy who does some things that are questionable, but the motives yeah, are, he's, are decent. He's, he's made some bad decisions in the name of taking care of his family. He yeah. kills someone by accident, right? Like he kills that yeah. guy by accident. Yeah, he does. Which is but he doesn't seem funny. too broken up about it. So yeah. I know to be he's honest. not, you know, because he's like, well, what are you going to do? Uh, yep. And then, like, you know, he, because uh, Peter saved his daughter's life, he won't kill him. Right, won't kill him. Right, he's like, I'm going to let this go. Just don't come for me. Um, and you know, he's like, the plane doesn't have any humans on it, and he knows that, right? Like the plane that he hijacks, and then obviously, yep. right at the end of the movie, he effectively tries to save Peter's life because he saved right. his. Right, like, yes, good man put in a bad situation does some bad things right like that and yep. that's what i really loved about the character is this is not normal because even in usual superhero movies even if it's a regular person which is how it tends to be now that gets put into some kind of situation or something happens to them they just become evil right and then that's just how they deal with their stuff yep. right uh liz i want to talk about liz because you tweeted something that intrigued me <laughs> I right? knew I knew it would get you. Yeah, you knew it was going to come for me. Um, mm-hmm. You s- compare Liz to Diane from Say Anything, and I would like you to right. expand on that a little bit. Okay, so um, the background story is that the people who wrote this movie, um, including John Francis Daly, who played uh, Linda Cardellini's little brother on Freaks and Geeks, which is kind of amazing, and uh, one of uh, Martin Starr, who is one of the other geeks in Freaks and Geeks, is in this movie as the science teacher, and huh. of course, yeah, uh, of course. yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They can, the connections are amazing because, of course, James Franco was in Freaks and Geeks and he was Harry Osborn in the earlier Spider-Man movies. And uh, Linda Cardellini from Freaks and Geeks is Hawkeye's wife in um, in uh, Age of Ultron. Oh, the connections are amazing. And one of the screenwriters of this movie is the, the kid brother. Anyway, um, they said that they modeled this movie after a John Hughes movie especially the breakfast club and you can totally see it like the group of kids in the high school like 
um like uh the the girl who we end up discovering is is mj where everyone in my screening was like oh when that happened <laughs> yeah yeah she's so but she's so ally sheedy kind of and you know you got the popular girl and you got the you got the kind of uh bully and i mean it is it is very they were they said they were inspired by 80s movies and i can feel it and in fact some of the reviews i've read i don't entirely agree with this because i really liked all of it but some of the reviews have said it's a it's a fine superhero movie but it's a great like high school movie and i i can see where they're coming from because the high school stuff really lends it makes this more than just another superhero movie there is this whole other layer that that is exactly what you want out of a spider-man movie in my mind is that other layer of his life as a regular high school student and how does he balance them and how does being spider-man kind of mess with his regular life but the movie that i haven't seen cited because it's not a john hughes movie and i just suddenly realized when we were when i was editing the incomparable in fact not even when we were talking about i mean a reference to say anything in the movie or in the in the podcast and didn't take it the next step which is um liz is like diane court in saying anything say anything in the sense that diane and say anything loves her dad her dad takes care of her and she's she doesn't have a mom in this case uh liz has a mom but loves her dad dad takes care of her and everything in um, Diane's house is less than ten thousand dollars in value because his dad is a tax cheat and he and an embezzler, and he uh, gets sent to prison. And Liz lives in a nice house, and I made the joke on the incomparable that it's a nice house, but everything in it costs less than ten thousand dollars because <laughs> Michael Keaton is a criminal, right? Yeah. And and gets put in the pokey at the end of the movie, and that was that moment when I went. Oh yeah, talk about another reference, intentional or not. But I, I had that moment where I thought Liz is a Liz is a, a brain. She's not a social outcast like Diane is, but she's a brain. She's the she's the captain of the academic decathlon team that wins the national championship. Right? This is and it's the most important thing in her life. Life. So although she's beautiful and looks like she would probably be the most beautiful person at the arts and magnet school, she's still a nerd really and her dad is uh is somebody she loves and who takes care of her but is actually a criminal and lets her whole family down while he thinks he's taking care of his the family and the immediate reference i got was to diane from say anything because it felt like the same sort of story so yeah you're right and i i really as you can imagine i love the liz character right because <laughs> web slinging in my brain sport of the future just, yeah it's it's there you mentioned um character michelle who at the end of the movie says she goes by MJ, which is just just so good. And also just like the attitude of that character is not Mary Jane and she is not red hair, right? right? Like I love that. I love all of that. I love everything they're doing there. The message they're sending is you think you know about Spider-Man stock characters, but you don't. We're going to do some different stuff and don't 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 expect what, you know, don't expect a red-headed girl to walk in and say face a chapter tiger you just hit the jackpot it's not gonna happen mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's um, great i like the mix with the miles morales um story arc with the inclusion of the ned character yeah because ned is basically basically gank from from miles morales's story which is the which is a slightly uh slightly portly asian uh teenager who is his friend and confidant and knows that he's spider-man that is right out of the miles morales storyline and it's a great character and it's great to give him a confidant and of course at the end aunt may finds out he's spider-man too and this is that's that's all right out of the ultimate spider-man stories about peter and miles and i think that's great because peter on his own only knowing uh, as the only person who knows he's spider-man is kind of boring i don't really want him to be 
known by everybody, but having a bunch of people who know him and support him leads to better drama, I would say, and a more modern take on it. Um, if you think about Ultimate Spider-Man or something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, having, you know, Team Spider-Man is, a, I think, a better approach to it. And the casting, I mean, throughout is great, right? Marissa Tomei, fantastic Aunt May. Um, mm-hmm. Donald Glover played a great role in the movie. Yeah, um, he's in really two scenes. Him. And after the first scene, I was really sad that he wasn't coming back. And then he came back for a great scene where he just wants to get home with his groceries. And he's been webbed to his car. Yeah. And and, and he gives a, a nice lecture to uh, to Spider-Man where he's like, you need to be better at this part of your job because he, <laughs> he's a kid and he has no idea what he's doing. And the, the, the Easter egg there is that Donald Glover's character that he's playing is, um, and the reason that he's in the first scene trying to get some um, sort of like thieve, thieving equipment he doesn't want weapons he wants like things that let you stick to walls and stuff is because his character is in the marvel canon known as the prowler he's aaron douglas i think i want to say his name is he's the prowler and at one point he mentions to spider-man in that second scene um you're from queens my nephew lives in queens um his nephew is miles morales that is awesome yeah that little is tidbit little awesome little that's really interesting you're kind of going to do something with that I don't know. Who knows? So, th- some things are just Easter eggs, and if they go with them, I, I think uh, the interview I read with the screenwriters basically said they're like, "Did you have a plan for the second movie and putting these things in there?" And they're like, "You know what? <laughs> are we gonna? Is there gonna be a second movie? Are we gonna work on the second movie? What do they want from the second movie?" He's like, I-, "I get the impression that you put in you put in that stuff as potential threads or fun Easter eggs, and and you just shrug. I don't I don't think there's a master plan." yet now this movie having done very well maybe they will bring these writers back and maybe they will pick up some of those threads but i don't think they wrote this with a plan for what uh the second of these spider-man movies would be i don't i don't think so it's just i do i do think that is a fun tip of the cap to miles morales and uh i like that and plus they use the ned character is is right out of miles's story which is fun yeah, and I also just thought that John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. played their parts perfectly without overshadowing Tom Holland. Um, I think that they fit into the story well. The these are the how many dads does he have since he doesn't have a dad? He has he has John Favreau who like is sort of his babysitter more than a dad, but he mm-hmm. gives he, you know he he's he's the one he's trying to get approval from. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is this remote da- uh, you know dad who uh, he can't get to, and then he's got. Uh, He's got Michael Keaton, who's his villain dad. Who yeah, like uh, villain wants dad? To... He has money dad. He has yeah. babysitter dad. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Um, teacher and, dad. And in the end, in the end, he, uh, despite what we've seen from the beginning, which is being starstruck by Robert Downey Jr. by by Tony Stark, he he goes back home, and uh, I like that. I like that choice. That maybe. Uh, not everything is the Avengers, even if he will totally be in the next Avengers movie. Like the idea that he's not going to be become a Tony Stark's like uh, superhero university enrollee number one, right? He's he's going to go li- be a regular kid and live a normal life and be Spider Man, and he makes that choice. I really like that too. But Downey is Downey is good, and it is a funny gag when um, when he. Uh, when when Pepper Potts opens the door and it turns out there was a press conference and it wasn't a test. And uh, that was pretty funny because I assumed it was a test and just as Peter did. But um, I do think there was maybe a little too much Downey. Like maybe the scenes could have been shorter and the last scene where it's just him and Pepper, it was unnecessary. We talked about this on The Incomparable. Um, but I, And I, I got a sense from it that a little bit of insecurity from 
Sony and and from Marvel, frankly, yeah. that they needed a lot of Downey in the movie in order to prop it up and make it feel like a Marvel movie. And in the end, they didn't, but they didn't know that. I can see the feeling of necessity just to like really drive home the point that this is a different Spider-Man and Spider-Man is now a part of this world. And like, you know, ideally have a few different characters. Why do you think Chris Evans is in it a bunch, right? Like just, you know, yes. j- just do what you can to show that that Spider-Man is a part of this world. And the plot is about garbage left over from the Avengers Battle of New York, right? That's in there at the beginning as a as a fairly easy, like with the Daredevil and other Netflix TV shows that have that as a backdrop of we're down on the ground in New York City, but remember when there was this thing. The, remember the fallout from when they had this battle in the middle of New York. They continue to mine that without you really needing to know the continuity other than there was a disaster and a bunch of alien garbage got left everywhere. Yeah, like, I mean, there was this one fight one time, <laughs> like, that was so many years ago, and, like, the the Iron Man 3 built on it, right? Like, this movie's built on it, as you say, like, the Daredevil's, like, it's all building on it. It's, it's kind of funny in a way that, like, and I mean, I haven't seen it, but I'm only going to assume that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is partly based on the fact that there was this fight in New York. Like, it is kind of funny, like, when you think about um, superhero movies in general, about the fact that there are always fights in New York. And there was just this one, this one time, and then like it's so many more movies are pulling from it. Like if you think of the DC universe, <laughs> New York has what has been like destructed like a billion times over by now. It's I, not. I, it's not even New York. It's like Metropolis and Gotham and whatever. It's sort of a fictionalized, but yeah, uh, yeah, of course. But yeah, anyway, I'm thinking like the Superman movies, right? Like they just keep getting Metropolis just keeps getting flattened, which is kind of funny. So, yeah, this, this is a quick thing. When we left the movie, Dina was like, we should see Wonder Woman too. Um, and uh-huh. I'm I'm assuming that this is a good choice, right? Like people seem to really like that movie because I just said to her, like, you know, I wasn't initially enthused to see it because everything else I've seen from the DC universe I haven't enjoyed. But I, you, would you recommend Wonder Woman? Yes. Okay. Yes, unabashedly, and you don't need to know anything about... I. Here's what you need to know about other DC movies before you see Wonder Woman. Uh, Bruce Wayne met Wonder Woman once, and uh, sh- and she had a picture of people from World War One. That's it. You didn't okay, really need cool. to know that because it's in the opening sequence, but that's that's it. Like Literally, the one thing you need to know is immediately recapped, and the rest of the movie happens, and you don't need to know. Yeah, because initially I just naturally assumed I wasn't going to enjoy it because I hadn't enjoyed any of the other post, um, post, like good Batman's, you know, like I, past that Batman trilogy. You know, I, I didn't like uh, Superman, Man of Steel. Um, yeah, so I just figured I just wouldn't enjoy it. But it seems like that Wonder Woman's at least broken that curse for the time being. All right, so I think that wraps up this week's episode, Jason. I think so. I think so. Little bonus mic of the movies. I nice. feel like it's uh, it's a good thing for episode 150. Yeah. Why not? Because this is just, a, you know, it's a big number. Um, yes. I just want to take a moment to thank all of our listeners. Uh, I think that uh, Upgrade, I'm very proud of the show. Um, 
and uh, the, the work that we put into it and it continues to, to grow and evolve and change in ways that make me happy um, and I'm excited about you know as time goes on and we add more funny segments and you know we have our recurring annual episodes and stuff like that like I'm really proud of this show and I'm really proud of how it's grown over time and you know so whether you've been here since the beginning or you, you came uh, as part of the show along the way thank you for listening to the show uh, we really couldn't do it without you being here because otherwise there'd be nobody to listen um, and also you know thank you to everybody for their participation every week you know the hashtag snail talk hashtag ask upgrade I never have to like fight to get that stuff through right like it's always there there's always stuff for me every week um, so thank you to everybody that is a part of this show as well by by their participation and Jason thank you uh, for being here with me every week it's it's a real pleasure well, likewise, I'm I'm very glad this was the I was telling somebody this story not too long ago that that was one of the uh, decisions I made first when I knew I was leaving my old job was I wanted to do a podcast in this format and with Relay starting up, uh, it fe- it felt like the obvious thing to do would be to do that podcast with you at Relay and that has been borne out as a very good decision. So thank you. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Blue Apron, Mac Weldon, and Encapsula. You can find Jason online. He is at Jasonl on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. He's over at sixcolors.com as well and theincomparable.com. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye.